Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Junior. Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. I'm Braden Holpe for the Saskatoon Blades. This is Gabriel Landeskog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Couturier from the Drummondville Voltager. Carter Hart of the Everett Silvertips. This is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfire. Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Mooseheads. NCAA. Hey, this is Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University. It's Alex Turcotte. Hey, it's Kale McCarver. Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's Kyle Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Barron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh, Jerry York, the coach at Boston College. The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from uh, Team Russia. Hey, it's Joel Ferby from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany. I'm Philip Broberg of the Team Sweden. It's Ellie Paul Lennon. Hey, it's Nikolai Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Edwards of Team Canada. The NHL Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi, it's Gordon Bicep from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Derry from the Camelot Blazers. I'm Alexander Holtz. I'm Lucas Freeman. Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Holler from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sanson. I play for Team USA. Brady Schneider, Caden Dooley. Here's Marco Rossi. I'm from the other sound. And more. Excellent! This is the Pipeline Show. Hey everybody, welcome to the weekend and to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That's me, of course. If you are a newcomer to the show, then welcome aboard. I hope you enjoy it and that you come back for more. If you are a person who's coming back for more as a returning listener, then really appreciate that you're doing that. I hope that you are leaving a comment or a rating wherever you get your copy of the Pipeline Show from. Uh, whether you're downloading it from iTunes or Spotify or you get it from the Podbean or wherever you get it from, I hope that if you have the chance to take a second, uh, that you do and you leave a comment or a rating so that uh, people who are just stumbling across it and they don't know what the show is about, maybe they've never heard of it, your comment might intrigue them enough or interest them enough to give the show a try, and that would be fantastic. Also, a special thanks to everyone who has signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash show. It's been a flurry of activity there this week as I've been setting up the early access links to the uh, interviews that you're going to hear on this week's episode. They've been up for a couple of days now. I did all of the interviews on Wednesday. That was a busy day. And as I'm speaking with you right now, it is a Friday afternoon. Hopefully the show, I get it all wrapped up and out to the audience here in the next couple of hours. At least that is the plan. As uh, as I've been learning, though, things uh, change rapidly. Uh, and there might be breaking news. Who knows? We're still waiting to hear on uh, when the BC division of the uh, WHL will uh, confirm when they're coming back and how they're going to do it. Are they going to bubble it up in Kamloops and, and Kelowna or one of those? Uh, that seems to be the, the rumor, but we haven't got confirmation yet. Maybe I jumped right into the news, uh, news and notes portion uh, for this week, but... Uh, anyway, getting back to the uh, Patreon page, that's at patreon.com slash show. I've also set it up so that any patrons, I give them advance notice of who's coming on the show, and now they can submit questions for the guests and get a shout-out on the show if you want to hear your name uh, on the program. That's a way to do it as well. A couple of bucks a month, the U.S. is uh, all it takes for that, or it's even cheaper if you sign up to do it annually, like Katie did this week, so... I appreciate that, Katie. Well, let's get to the uh, news and notes. Uh, I I would usually have a question of the week, and I was thinking about doing uh, who's your favorite for the Hobie Baker Award or something like that. 
uh, right now, but I might save that for another week or two as uh, the regular season comes to uh, closer to an end and then we get into the conference playoffs and maybe we'll start there as the NCAA uh, has announced that there are a, a bit of a different format to get into the national tournament selection, the, the, the process, how they're going to do it this year because the pairwise is, is uh, not working this season with no interconference play. Jimmy Connolly was on with us uh, last week and talked a bit about that. Uh, Jimmy from USCHO. I see on College Hockey News there's a story about it as well, so you might want to go check that out. Um, it, there is still a mathematical formula they're going to use, but it's different than just uh, going with the pairwise. Uh, and they are still planning on having four regionals as well, which is uh, was sort of up in the air because one of their planned sites uh, had to pull out, uh, but they are going to uh, replace that one. And actually, I think there was supposed to be some sort of announcement about that this week, but as far as I know, that hasn't happened yet. Maybe it will uh, before the end of the show. Maybe we'll stick with uh, college hockey for a moment, and I was just out of curiosity kind of pulling up the, the leading scores as I, I often do. And because I was thinking about Hobie Baker nominees and things, obviously Cole, Cole Caulfield leading the NCAA in scoring right now with uh, 17 goals. Nobody's got more goals than he does, and he has 33 points. You'd have to think he'd be a, uh, a favorite at this point. Odin Tufto from Quinnipiac right behind him with 31 points. Only four goals, though. Huge difference. He's got 27 assists. And he's not. A, it's not like he's a defenseman. He is a centerman. Now, some of the other leading scorers, Brandon Cruz at Bowling Green has 28 points. Shane Pinto at North Dakota, Ottawa Senators pick, has 26. The top Canadian also has 26 points. That's Joseph Nardi who uh, played in the AJHL with the White Court Wolverines. He's from Edmonton. Might have to get him on the show here in the next week or two. He has 26 points for the uh, Wildcats. So Caulfield right now, you'd have to think, is a pretty solid choice for the Hobie Award uh, as he is leading the NCAA in scoring. But if you look at points per game, that puts a different twist on things. David Ferentz leads the way right now. He's only played six games, though. But he's got 14 points in those six games. That's 2.33 points per game. Defenseman at Boston University. But with only six games, I don't think that's enough. Uh, so you look to the next guy. That's Dylan Holloway. He's up to 14 games now, which is eight games fewer than Caulfield. But he's got 25 points. He's sixth overall in NCAA scoring. And he's played six or eight games fewer than the, the guys ahead of him in the scoring race. He has 1.79 points per game right now, which is second uh, next to Ference and more than Caulfield has. So you could make a pretty good argument for Caulfield. You could make a really good argument for Holloway as well. So right now, I think those would be my top two guys. And if I was going to go with a third guy, well, Jimmy Connolly mentioned him last week, Dryden McKay, goaltender at Minnesota State. A 0.79 goals against average and a 9.59 save percentage. Fantastic season here for Dryden McKay, the junior at Minnesota State. Uh, that would be, I think, my my three right now. Uh, if you uh, have a different name you want to throw out there, uh, feel free. You can get me on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee, and uh, we can start that discussion about the Hobie Baker nominees. Last week we had the announcement that the Two teams in Manitoba and the five in Saskatchewan would bubble it up in Regina. They would start play on March 12th. We know the U.S. division in the WHL is going to start on March 19th. The Alberta division 
the Central Division, the uh, five teams in Alberta, will start play a week from today, February 26th. Camps for those teams are underway now. Not open to the public. I haven't been down there at all. But we are still waiting on the BC Division. And it sounded like, I, you know, obviously I follow the, the guys in the WHL who are based there. John Keane, Regan Bartell, for example. And following their Twitter accounts, it sounded like hopefully something was going to be announced this week. But as I'm speaking with you right now, there hasn't been. But things change so quickly. Let me just go and look as I'm speaking with you right now and uh, see if there's an update uh, from those guys. And there is not. So status quo right now is we wait, wait to hear about what's happening in the WHL. Interesting uh, daily dose from Dub Network today as they, they uh, recapped a lot of WHL-related events around the hockey world, including guys who are in the NHL and maybe moving up or down through the taxi squad to the American Hockey League. Keep in mind, any of those WHL guys who have been in the AHL here uh, will have to report back to their WHL teams once they get going. That includes Seth Jarvis of the Portland Winterhawks, who is right now tied for the lead in AHL scoring. He's got seven points in five games for the Chicago Wolves. Interesting, the OHL guys, like Phil Tomasino, who's also with the Chicago Wolves, OHL isn't starting yet, so uh, I guess he would be staying in the uh, American Hockey League for now. So it's great that those guys get a chance to play and keep developing. Uh, Jamie Drysdale of the Erie Otters, he's there as well. He's playing for San Diego. Obviously, that's Anaheim's uh, farmed club. Peyton Krebs with the uh, Golden Knights farm team, the Silver Knights. He has five points in four games. Michael Vukojevic, who you've heard on the show, plays for the Kitchener Rangers, but right now with no OHL going, He's with, with the New Jersey Devils farm team, and he's got five points in four games. Suddenly finding an offensive side. You know, I when I think of Vukojevic, I think of a, a, a big physical stay-at-home sort of defenseman, but the offense is coming for him here as a pro. At the top of AHL scoring, you have five guys, all with seven points. Two of them college guys, two of them CHL guys, and one of them a, a European, Rasmus Kopari, who came over from Finland, obviously. So nice balance there. You got two CHL guys and two college guys and uh, one guy who came over from Europe. Uh, the CHL guys, by the way, Seth Jarvis uh, of the Portland Winterhawks that I mentioned. Michael Bunting played with the Sioux Greyhounds. What is he? He's about 23, 24 years old now. Uh, and the two college guys, Trevor Zegris, who was at BU, and Sam Annis, who I believe, if uh, I'll click on his name, but I believe it was Quinnipiac uh, that he played for. Yes, it was. Uh, three years with the Bobcats. He is now 27 years old. Sam Annis, boy, that, that went quickly. He's older than I thought he was. I remember when he was still at Quinnipiac, but he's got uh, four years of pro hockey under his belt already. Man, I am feeling old. Okay, let's get to the guest segment of the show, and I have three of them on the program for you this week. All of these interviews I did on Wednesday, and all my guests joined me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. And I was just checking it out, and Troubled Monk's got another assortment of uh, new beverages to try. They have two aged golden sours available this week. Uh, one called the Harry Dunn, one called the Lloyd Christmas. And um, if you can figure out what that reference is, let me know via Twitter and tag at Troubled Monk in that tweet. No, there's no prizes available. It's just uh, a fun little game. The Harry Dunn Golden Sour and the Lloyd Christmas, aged a Flanders Red. 
Check them out at troubledmonk.com shop, and you can see all the, the different beverages that they have available. It's not just craft beer, it's craft soda, and they have a bunch of spirits as well. And you can get all of them with free home delivery when you order online at troubledmonk.com shop. Use promo code PIPELINE, and that gets you free home delivery. Let them know the Pipeline Show sent you, and let me know what you ordered and what you love from Troubled Monk. At TPS underscore Guy is me on Twitter, and at Troubled Monk are my friends at The Monk. Make sure you include them in any tweets. My guests today, we will start with a couple of uh, general managers from the Western Hockey League, both of them here in Alberta as their teams get set to open the regular season, the 24-game regular season, uh, starting next Friday. Although my first guest, his team actually doesn't get to start next week because with five teams, there's an imbalance. So uh, the Calgary Hitmen don't start until the first weekend of March. But General Manager Jeff Chenoweth is on the program this week, and we will follow the Hitmen up with the Oil Kings. Uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings General Manager is Kurt Hill, and uh, we can uh, set the table for the Oil Kings this week as uh, their camp is going. But interestingly, both the Hitmen and the Oil Kings won't be playing this season in their regular facility, or at least not on their regular sheet of ice. The Hitmen are uh, heading out of town to the First Nations complex uh, just outside, I believe it's just east of Calgary, and the Oil Kings will be playing on the uh, practice rink that's inside of Rogers Place. So it's in the same building, but it's not on the uh, sheet where they normally play or that they share with the Edmonton Oilers. But uh, NHL protocols, they got to stay separated. So the Oil Kings are going to use the, uh, the practice ice as their home sheet for this season. So we'll hear from Jeff Chenoweth and Kurt Hill, and then we'll have a 2021 draft spotlight segment. Guy probably going to go in the first round, it's barely played, though, this year as the Alberta Junior Hockey League started and then stopped, hearing rumblings that it might be on its way back. Of course, with the WHL returning to play in Alberta, you'd have to think the AJHL is not far behind. Corson Kuhlmans plays for the Brooks Bandits. He is a uh, Wisconsin Badgers recruit. You'll hear from him on this week's show as well. And hey, what do you know? The AJHL has just announced, just breaking news here, uh, as I'm speaking with you, as I'm recording this week's episode, just check the league's website, and they have been granted approval for return to play. At the same time, looks like players and coaches and su support staff are currently self-isolating in preparation for what will be a little mini training camp, and uh, competition will also begin in March. They're going to play only on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays through to the end of May, so very much what the WHL is doing also, only playing on the weekends. So uh, lots more details. You can check that out at AJHL.ca and follow them on Twitter at the AJHL. Great to see. Before we go, I just checked ProStockHockey.com. They're uh, on Twitter at ProStockHockey. Just a couple of hours ago was the announcement. Tons of new Warrior Pro Overstock player pants have been added to the inventory. You can choose from a, a variety of different sizes from your favorite NHL teams. 119 bucks. Only at ProStockHockey.com slash pants. You can find that link on their Twitter account. Again, ProStockHockey. And when I say it's 120 bucks, they're in the States, so that would be 120 bucks American. A couple of days ago, they were uh, mentioning that they had new player gloves from the Arizona Coyotes in both of their color schemes. So you got the classic, the the kind of the brick and the green, as well as uh, the, the current color scheme as well, or the modern-day color scheme. 
They also got some gloves from Calgary. They call them the Hannafin gloves. Noah Hannafin apparently plays with a really thick palm. They say it's triple layered palm and fingers. I know when I played beer league hockey, the end of my stick would kind of be in the palm of my hand. And so it would wear down really quickly. Uh, a triple thick layer on the palm, I think, would be, well, it'd be good for a guy like me. Uh, if you're playing beer league hockey or uh, maybe you are a superstar, you can check with Pro Stock Hockey, see if they still have some of those gloves as well. Let them know the Pipeline Show sent you. All right, let's get to the show. Up first, Jeff Chenoweth, the general manager of the Calgary Hitmen, here on the Pipeline Show. Obey Kubel, in on Orman, gets by, saved by Jari, what a stop, center, another chance, Richard, saved by Jari, another chance, did make it through, Jari down, covers it up in a huge pile in front, Tristan Jari keeps the Oil Kings season alive. Hey, it's Tristan Jari from the Edmonton Oil Kings, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week. Hey, this one's great on ice. Why is that, bud? Troubled Monk Troubled Tea. This surprising beverage is low in sugar, zero carbonation, and has an unmistakable real tea taste. Alberta's first and only hard iced tea. Player comparable, Jack Eichel. Silky smooth and super skilled, but a little softer and enjoyed by all. Troubled Monk. Visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk. Craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Make it better. Turn up the good. Turn down the suck. Welcome back, everybody. As we uh, get set to uh, begin the show, the guest portion of the show. Uh, full disclosure here. Normally, I would just smoothly come back from a commercial break and uh, lead you right into the uh, the guest segment. Well, I had a, a technical uh, hiccup, if you will. Call it a uh, brain fart. Probably more descriptive or more accurate. Anyway, my guest uh, that you're going to hear in this segment is Jeff Chenoweth. He's the general manager of the Calgary Hitmen. We started our conversation. Everything was great uh, even before the interview. A real busy guy, though, so I didn't want to keep him too long. Uh, we started the interview, and uh, while he was answering the first question, I, I just thought, you know, on my end, I do some little technical things while we're, we're chatting. Uh, I just happened to notice that it wasn't recording. Well, I didn't want to stop him in mid-sentence and then go back and reintroduce him and re-ask the first question. Uh, and it was at the very, very start. Uh, so what you're going to hear, we're going to jump right into the middle of his first answer. So my apologies for that. My fault. But as we began, I started by introducing uh, Jeff Chenoweth and uh, reminding everybody that the U.S. Division of the Western Hockey League will start up on March 19th, the week before that. The seven teams in Saskatchewan and Manitoba will begin play. They're going to bubble it up in Regina. But the five teams in Alberta are going to begin on February 26th. Not the Hitmen, though. They're, they're going to start a week later because, obviously, one team has to sit out. So the first question to Jeff Chenoweth was how challenging the last 11 months have been. We're going to look back before we look forward. Uh, and that's where we're going to pick the conversation up. He's in the middle of his answer where he's talking about how difficult it's been to navigate through the global pandemic, here's the rest of his answer. And my again, my apologies, but here's Jeff Chenow. Going on in the world, and still is going on in the world. That you know, there's a lot more important things than playing major junior hockey. And so, you know, it took a while to get answers. 
you know, from our, our the six jurisdictions, the health authorities that we play in. So, you know, it took a while. And I think once we got close and we got, you know, we got some steam, the numbers started to go down. We felt confident that we were going to get an opportunity to resume playing. I, I think the kids started to get excited. I think our staff got excited. And uh, now, as I said, we're just a few weeks away from starting. It, it has to have been disappointing, though, when you have the first date and then the plan to return to action was uh, what early November, if I remember correctly, or something like that. Early December, and then that gets pushed back, and then the second date gets pushed back. Now, when it's announced that February 26th, is there a little bit of you that's guy again? They use the Charlie Brown analogy with the football. It's just uh, you know you keep getting uh, having that date snatched away at the last second. Once you're on the ice, is it almost a you know I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing? Well, I think that's what the players felt. I mean, I think that, you know, you're telling them the same old, same old, and, you know, nothing changes. But I really believe that uh, with the protocols that, uh, you know, Dr. Nadu and working with the Western Hockey League office and all the teams, you know, they've they've covered almost everything they can, knowing that you're going to have to pivot at a moment's notice, which this with, with, with this pandemic has done for so many things throughout the last 11 months. So I, I think we've got a good plan in place. I think all the teams have taken it very seriously with uh, how important it is to, uh, you know, to have, make sure the players understand that they're getting an opportunity to play. And I mean, their punishment is two weeks of uh, quarantine if there's a positive test. So they've got to be cognizant of that. The staff has to be cognizant. And I know the league's done a great job of, of getting that message through to us. And uh, so I think everyone knows how fortunate we are to get the opportunity. I know the, uh, the Oilers or the Oil Kings rather will be playing in the, uh, in their practice facility in their building, and uh, the Saddle Dome is not going to be where you're playing this year either. Uh, I don't know if home ice advantage is even a thing anymore, uh, with no fans especially. It's it's going to really have a different feel, isn't it? Oh, no question about it. And, I mean, but you've seen it in the other professional sport leagues that, you know, have been playing for a while. You know, they're, they're you know that's, that's the new normal, and hopefully we can get back to what we before this, the pandemic hit and having fans in the facility, but that isn't going to happen anytime soon. And, you know, it will be different for all of us, but the bottom line is we get an opportunity to watch and do something we love. I mean, I always use the line, they're thoroughbreds, they're born to run, and they haven't been able to run for the last 11 months. <laughs> uh, I haven't been to the facility where you are playing. How far out uh, from Calgary is it? Oh, it's just on the outskirts of Calgary. It is very close on the Satina First Nation, the Seven Chiefs uh, Arena and the, the Chief Jim, Jim Starlight Center. It's an unbelievable complex. We were fortunate enough to play an exhibition game against the Oil Kings a year ago, September there, just after the facility opened. It is an unbelievable rink, and they have welcomed us with open arms, not only at the arena, but at the hotel, the Great Eagle Resort, where our players are, are, are staying throughout the, for the course of the season. We've been very fortunate to have a partnership with Satina First Nation, and they have been great to, to deal with, and it's a lot of work from their end as well. Uh, I know I've uh, spoken with uh, a couple of GMs throughout the league the last uh, few weeks and just how in, uh, how challenging it's been to engage the players over the last 11 months and just keep them on track with, you know, development. And because I know I, I, hockey players are fairly regimented in their off-season training when they start up and what part, you know, uh, when they get on the ice and their off-ice training. And to have this the last 11 months, so much a uh, stop and start, stop and start, uh, has that been something that's been tough to navigate for, for you and your staff and your training staff to, to keep the players on track and ready to go? Well, I think so. But, I mean, it, it's tough because, you know, for a lot, and this is where each each of our jurisdictions in the four western provinces were different. I mean, in B.C., they're still skating. 
You know, in Ma- Alberta and uh, Alberta and Manitoba, they weren't skating. Uh, Saskatchewan was for a while, and then they got shut down. So that was a bigger concern because each jurisdiction was different of what was being allowed. And so the players had to make alternative arrangements. And if you're going to school, you know, that's that's first and foremost. And then to try to turn in training when the gyms and everything got closed in a lot of these places. So that was kind of the toughest thing to navigate. We had a lot of players looking at alternative solutions just to get some sort of training in. And whether it be at an outdoor rink or whether it be traveling to British Columbia from another province, you know, kids and their parents are very creative and uh, trying to keep them in a sort of a normal routine. Tell me about your roster and how different things are going to be since the last time we saw the Hitman on the ice. Because uh, well, right now the roster page isn't updated uh, for the Hitman on the uh, on the league's website. But I mean, there's obviously some big notable changes from last year's club. Uh, who who leads the way for you this year? Well, I guess first of all, we'll have a very small roster. We're bringing in 22 players, two defensemen. Excuse me, two goaltenders, seven defensemen, 13 forwards. We'll have two 16-year-olds, one forward and one defenseman. And so, you know, we'll have, uh, you know, uh, probably five other players or four other, you know, 17-year-olds on the roster. You know, we were eligible to return 19 players at one time, and we've made a couple changes throughout the process, meaning during the last 11 months. You know, we're kind of a mixture. Uh, you know, I don't think we'll have as much skill as we've had in the last couple of years. You know, and obviously you lose Captain Mark Castellick and uh, just can't replace that. What he's a five-year Calgary Hitman player. Same with Dakota Krebs is a five-year Western Hockey graduate and Kyle Olson as well. But, I mean, we think our 20-year-old, we'll have three 20-year-old forwards. Uh, we just, uh, Carson Folk just recently signed a contract in early January with uh, Vancouver, so he won't be back. So we've only got three 20-year-olds. They'll be at the forward position, Josh Prokop, Riley Stotts, and Orca Weisblatt. So we think we're good up front there. We've got some good young guys there. Again, I think we'll have to, you know, score by committee. We'll have to work hard. I don't think, you know, not that it comes natural to anybody of any team, but I don't think we have uh, as much skill, potential skill, as we've had in the past. We think we've got some good young players that have that potential. But as you know, Guy, and we've talked about this many times, you win in the Western League with 18, 19, and quality 20-year-olds. You mentioned the the smaller size roster than in a normal year. Knock on wood, injuries don't become a problem. But if they do, where do you what do you do to fill up your roster? Well, I mean, every team will have an affiliate list. The problem is you're going to have to quarantine to get them in. Right. And uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, the way the schedule is working out. And then until we you know get more information, you're just playing weekends to start. And so uh, you know, you have time to recharge. It's kind of a full. Right now, it looks like a full college schedule. So, you know, knock on wood, you hope you don't have any injuries. But, I mean, you're going to have an opportunity. I mean, you're not going to be playing five games in six nights or four and five or whatever. I mean, you know, that's not going to happen at any time. So, you know, compared to a regular season, yeah, injuries can happen anywhere. But I think that, you know, you're not playing as many games. And, and I think it's another thing that we've talked about as an organization, that these kids are so excited to get back at her. They got to wrap it up slowly. We're we're a week later than every other team in the Central Division because we have a bye for the first weekend of the season. So mm-hmm. we haven't even started to skate yet. We're still in quarantine right now at the hotel. Well, now once we get going, you know, we we don't want anybody, you know, pulling groins, hurting their back, you know, hurting their hips by going, you know, 110% the first day. You know, we want to gradually build it up because you have two weeks to get ready for our first game, which is March 5th. So is that a bit of an advantage then in a sense that you don't start the same time as the other four teams? Guys are chomping at the bit to get going, but to uh, start a week later gives you an extra week to kind of get prepared too. 
Well, I mean, everyone's going to have the same time to get prepared. We didn't bring them in right away. Just we personally have, as an organization, have lots to do with the transfer from the Salvador to the uh, Sutina Seven Chiefs Arena. So again, there's a lot of work to do behind the scenes to get it ready for Western Hockey League play. You know, for more than just an exhibition game. So you know, that's one of the reasons why we requested to buy the first weekend just to get everything going. And uh, you know, I mean, we're going to follow the same protocols as the other four teams, other than we're just a week behind but uh mm. you know in talking to a number of nhl teams i mean you know they felt that t- the time that they had in the summer to get ready was more than long enough so i mean i'm hoping it's the same with our players once we get going jeff uh, i i know when the schedule was announced and it, it was 24 games uh, uh there were some people uh, fans uh maybe critics who were saying 24 games in the whl it's it's not even worth it why bother i understand i have a a feeling why the uh, why it's important certainly for the the overage guys the guys who are draft eligible like Sean Chagall everybody that's involved but from your perspective what do you say to people who say why bother well i mean i think that uh, we're we're a social race and that's that's that has to do with just hockey hockey's just part of it and i mean you know we've unfortunately been dealing with a worldwide pandemic the last 11 months and i mean you know we get used to a routine and we're out of that routine and i think you know, we, we talk about the development of the players first and foremost, and that is right on. But let's not forget about the mental health of the, the players, and not just players, but everyone involved in, in our business and many businesses throughout Canada right now. I think that's a big thing is it gives them an opportunity, gives them an outlet to do something they love to do. And at the same time, continue their development. You follow the Western Hockey League for years. I mean, it's a, it's a short cycle. It's a five-year window. You know, and I mean, you know, you think back, our 1999s, both on the Oil Kings and our team, didn't even get a chance to say goodbye, and they moved on. And I mean, so at least for the 2000s, I mean, they're going to get an opportunity to at least play 24 games for a while there this year. It was looking like we might not even get to see them say goodbye. So, you know, I I look at it as it's an opportunity. You know, we're doing everything, protocol set out by AHS. I think it's just, uh, you know, for me, the development and the mental health are the two biggest issues or the biggest issues are the two biggest benefits for our players. Haven't heard anything about a playoff format or, heck, if there's going to be a Memorial Cup or anything, and uh, all of that's still in question. How do you gauge success this year? Well, it's a development season. I mean, and you look at your roster a little bit differently, or at least I shouldn't say you do. I mean, some of the general managers I've talked to have looked at it a little differently, where, you know, you might have a few more younger players in than you normally would because that's a 24-game look-see, a development with not as much pressure in a normal 68-game season, and it gives them experience moving forward. They know what to expect when they come in. And so for us, we're looking at it. Yeah, we want to win. We're no different than the other four teams in the Central Division. But, I mean, we're also looking at a development with our younger players and giving them the opportunity to play and maybe play in key situations that, uh, you know, give them a chance to have success moving forward for our hockey club, which is important when you have such a short window of success in junior hockey. Will there be things like trades this year? Can you trade with the Camelot Blazers or the Portland Winterhawks or anything like that? Because with quarantine and all that, uh, how will that work? Still to be determined, lots of things to work out. I mean, the Western Hockey League is working great guys 24-7, just like the rest of us. And, you know, anytime I always tell anybody, Guy, anytime you answer a question, there's three more arise. And, <laughs> and, you know, again, there's no playbook for COVID. 
There never has been. And again, it, it, it's, it's tough on everybody because it can change on a moment's notice. So and to answer that question, like I said, there's lots Lots is still to be determined as we move closer to the February 26th start date. All right. First things first, let's get on the ice. Uh, Jeff, I really appreciate your time, uh, and it'll be great to see the uh, the guys get a chance to play again. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. No problem, big fella. Anytime. You know that. All right, that was Jeff Chenoweth and my interview with him, or 99.9% of the interview I did with him uh, on Wednesday. And I, I apologize again for the, uh, the screw-up at the start. Uh, really, there was... 15 seconds of his answer that uh, that I missed, as well as the, you know, welcome back to the show and uh, all that stuff that I had normally done. Uh, so I apologize for that, but uh, everything that was really important is still there. I think it's going to be an interesting year for the Hitmen. I was surprised to hear him say only 22-man roster. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, if, if injuries come, and you have to plan that they will, uh, where they get the players from. And um, that the quarantine process, and maybe I'm wrong, but I I, maybe the other four teams in Alberta are also going to have a, a small roster. Not sure. That would have been a good question to ask my next guest, but I don't think I did. Uh, Kurt Hill, the GM of the Edmonton Oil Kings. He's up next here on the Pipeline Show. Corbett Mayo wants Corbett at last. They score! Score! Curtis Lazar! Tips hold the Corbett offering. The Oil Kings are going to the Memorial Cup championship final. Hey, this is Curtis Lazar, the Memorial Cup champion on the Edmonton Oil Kings, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Spurs Grove St. AJHL Hockey is back for the 2020-2021 season. Due to the ongoing pandemic, the attendance is limited at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. You can follow along across social media at SG Saints and support the Saints by heading to sprucegrovesaints.ca and purchasing your Cash's King tickets today. Over $33,000 in prizes to be given away. Again, head to sprucegrovesaints.ca for more information. The Spruce Grove Saints, proud supporters of the Pipeline Show. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The cream rise to the top, oh yeah. The cream of the crop! Nobody does it better. It's The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Let's continue on looking ahead to the upcoming 24-game season here in the Western Hockey League as the as the five teams in Alberta get going next Friday, which means uh, my next guest, his club, back on the ice again. Get a chance to speak once again to... Kurt Hill, the general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, Kurt, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm just happy we get to finally talk about hockey on the ice. Uh, Kurt, I don't know what it's been like for you the last 11 months, but when you're hosting a junior and college hockey prospect show and there hasn't been a season here in my own backyard, it's been a bit of a grind. What's it been like for you? You know, it's been a lot of, uh, a lot of planning, a lot of, uh, a lot of changes to those plans. Obviously your draft one, draft two, draft three, we're just going through them trying to make it work. So it's been, uh, yeah, a lot to, to get the season up and running, but, uh, yeah, for myself, I've had a lot of opportunity to, to spend time with my son, which was, which was nice at the same time. So, uh, you know, you take the positives of uh, the last 11 months, and that was definitely one of the big ones, lots of family time, but uh, thrilled to be back in the rink and back at it here. Well, when it comes to return to play, we've had several dates. Uh, We had one in the fall, and then, of course, we had one in January, and uh, obviously things got pushed back as 
as uh, circumstances changed. And I, I used the uh, analogy earlier when I was speaking with Jeff Chenoweth. It's it's like Charlie Brown getting ready to kick the football and then it gets pulled back at the last second. And you, you swear you're not going to get fooled again. And then the, the ball goes down and again, Charlie Brown falls for it. You're probably too young to remember Charlie Brown. This analogy <laughs> might be completely lost on you, but uh, do you have that feeling at all like, as we get ready to get put the football down once again? <laughs> no, no, I totally know what you're saying, and you know it's uh, you know it was it was tough. It was tough on on the league and just on the teams in general. Just you know the I found the toughest part of the whole process was the messaging to the players because you know we truly believed we were going to get to a point to get going, but when you started setting dates and you had to tell them this wasn't going to be possible and continuing to message that to them you know it might have been starting to creep in a little bit like hey is this actually going to happen here if you're a player and you know there were some tough times through that but uh, you know the most recent one when we got to tell them were hey you're going into quarantine this week I think things got for real and uh, now that they're back I mean you can just see the smiles on their faces they couldn't be happier to be back in the building. When it comes to the players who are training and preparing I know they're 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 creatures of habit in the offseason where they start at the same time each year and get on the ice at the same time each year and they're working out in the gym doing the same thing at the same time each year so with the way things have uh, stopped and started how difficult has that been on those players and I wonder you know, are you are you seeing that here early in camp that uh, some guys might be out of sync a bit? <laughs> well, I can tell you the first practice was extremely sloppy. That guys were guys were just falling and just it just yeah, it just was interesting. You know, the passing wasn't quite there, and but uh, probably the first three skates, you know, things kind of were progressively getting better. Then we had a day off, and you know, today it, it seemed like the the guys had kind of started to find their their stride again out there and yeah you know you can skate on outdoor rinks as much as you want or or skate with your buddies back home but you know once once you get back in that team environment and you know things are full speed and you got you know the coaching staff out there preaching to you and telling you you know working on habits it's uh, it's a whole new ball game so i think uh, them getting back up to that speed is uh, what they've really been focusing on here the last 5 days a few of your guys were able to get some games in at the AJHL level like uh, like Dylan Gunther and a couple others and of course Jake was uh, off with the St. Louis Blues for a while but uh, for everybody else is are you seeing a lot of rust that has to be knocked off yeah, there's de- there definitely is lots of rust. I mean, some of the younger players are, are the new guys that are in here have had the opportunity to play some minor hockey at the start of the year, and some of the provinces didn't completely shut down, so some guys were able to still skate in small groups. But you know, with the exception of you know probably six or seven guys throughout our entire roster that's here, you know, majority of guys haven't seen you know much competition in four months, if any, this season. So it's a uh, you know. Training camp's one thing, and then next Friday, I mean, that's the whole next step when we get into actual game action and, uh, you know, the real bullets are, bullets are flying, guys are the real body contact starting here. I read last week that the Red Deer Rebels, they're all going to be living at the century. I mean, Red Deer, at, living right at the rink. I don't know if you're going to that extreme or not, but how are things different this year? I don't know if you're using billet families. I know there are hotels right around Rogers Place, so uh, they'd be easy access for your teams if you were doing it that way. But how are things being done differently for you this year when it comes to that? Yeah, what we did, we were using build families right now. And what we did was we really condensed the amount of families we're using. So we got all our players doubled up. So we don't have as many build families this year. And, uh, you know, our players are following pretty strict protocols here, uh, here around obviously the arena and at Edmonton. And, you know, um, our, our guys are bought into that and, 
well, that's the, the commitment we've made to, to start the season. And hopefully, uh, you know, that works and we were confident it'll work. But if for some reason we have to pivot, we have a contingency plan to uh, isolate the team at a hotel and uh, go that route if we have to. All right. Well, hopefully that's not a, a major concern for you. Uh, let's talk a bit about the uh, rosters. We're speaking with Kurt Hill, the general manager at the, of the Edmonton Oil Kings, who get on the ice against the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Uh, not that far from now, now, February February 26th. Um, the roster, there's turnover every year as you have overage players who graduate and uh, don't have eligibility anymore. But coming into this season, uh, you had a tough decision to make and uh, Wyatt McLeod, the odd man out. And that must have been a very tough decision to finally have to make. It was tough. I mean, Wyatt was a, a great player, for did a lot for the organization, a real professional, you know, on and off the ice. But uh you know, with our with where our forwards were at, and us losing, you know, the two European forwards, we were pretty sure weren't going to be in a position to come back. We felt it was important to uh, well, to have the the two twenty year old forwards, and uh, you know, Ethan's a guy that's been in the organization cap for a long time as well, and uh, you know, he's a he's a former first round pick, a guy that's been a staple back there, and and done a lot for this organization organization as well. So it was a it was a tough decision, and. Um, but at the end of the day, it's those decisions that are, have to be made. And, you know, it was an opportunity came up for Wyatt in, in Saskatoon, which was, uh, you know, we felt a great fit for him and a good opportunity for, for him to go in and uh, play out his 20-year-old season with that club. You mentioned the European players. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you won't have any uh, with you in camp right now and for this season, correct? No, we won't. And, you know, it's looking – it doesn't look like the Europeans will be coming over this season. And uh, Jack, I had a conversation with him today and – you know, it's still the government, the federal government still hasn't allowed the Europeans to come. Um, but it, I think Kubitschek's going to finish his season out uh, there this year. But, um, you know, conversations with him have been extremely positive, And obviously that's a deal we made primarily for next uh, for next season. And, uh, you know, things have been extremely positive in that in that regard with him. And then, uh, yeah, Stannenberg's is still playing in the, in the KHL for um, Latvia and uh you know, he's a guy that we were really excited about bringing over in that. And, but uh, at this time, again, those those players haven't been granted exception to come. So it's very unlikely uh, he'll be coming this season. As Fannenberg's is signed with you. Uh, so I, I'm assuming next year, if we get back to normal, he'll be with the club. But what about uh, Simon Kubitschek, who I believe he had just signed a, an extension with his uh, Czech team back home i don't know if that was just in case there's no whl season or things aren't back to normal or is there a bit of a negotiation there that uh, is still ahead to to try to get him over here for next season yeah i think with the extension it's something he's always he's always had the the same contract the same um, i guess contract with that team it's a, it's a longer deal than just next year like he's had it going back to 2018 um so it's uh yeah, I think it's, uh, again, conversations have been very positive with him. I think they're probably the option for him to, to stay with that team in, in next season if that's what uh, him and his agency group thinks what's best with him. But um, at this point, um, again, Simon uh, speaks very good English. We've had really good conversations. I think, uh, you know, things look good. Kurt, it's a big season for, or a meaningful season. It's not a long season, but it's a meaningful season for, you've got overage players who are trying to set themselves up for what comes next. Uh, next year, whether it's professionally or with uh, uh, U Sports or something like that. Uh, and then you've got guys who are draft eligible. You have rookies coming into the league. When the 24 games was first announced, there were some people who would look at it and say, you know, we saw it on social media. 
a 24-game schedule in the WHL, it's not even worth it. It's so, it's so far from the norm. Why bother doing it? What do you say for people who uh, who feel that way? What would you tell them? Yeah, it's, I think 24 games is, again, it's it's a lot of opportunity for players to show not only scouts, uh, you know, what they have. We have 20-year-old players trying to uh, get contracts. They're being recruited by universities, you know. We have guys in their NHL draft years this year and some guys going through the draft for a second time that want to prove themselves. You know, for an organization, too, it's, you know, 24 games can tell us a lot about introducing players to our program, getting them comfortable here with the players and, you know, what we expect from them when, when they're an Oil King player. So, you know, that's what's a really exciting piece about it for us is getting all these, the new players in here and us continuing to build what we've built on the last couple of years here and, you know, really building that tradition with these new guys and get them into uh, that Oil Kings culture here. Do you know yet at this point if there will be playoffs or if there's going to be a Memorial Cup or not, either or? I'm wondering if uh, behind the, the curtain, if you know if there's going to be a playoff or what that format would look like, or if there is or isn't going to be a Memorial Cup. I don't know if that's been decided yet, uh, but uh, behind closed doors, do you know? Uh, that's still all kind of being discussed by, by the Western League right now. And, uh, you know, for them, they, they haven't communicated that with uh, the clubs at this point I think right now it's just you know as as you've seen with the schedule we've really only planned the first couple weeks of the schedule but I think it's more of one of those things where we're trying to trying to walk before we run here and uh, really try to try to get this thing going and uh, make sure we can uh, get off the ground running. Well hypothetically if there is no playoffs and the standings then don't really matter I know when you're on the ice you want to win the game there's no question about that but if the standings don't really matter and wins and losses don't really matter. How do you gauge success? What will what will a successful season be like, in your opinion? What has to happen for it to be a success this year? Well, I think you're still playing a win again. I think with our group, we have a we have a group that um, we feel is a strong group and, you know, lots of returning players who feel they have a lot to prove with the, the way the season got shut down last year and, you know, lots of guys that are, are playing for a lot this season. So for us, for an organization, you know, we're, we're still playing to win, but at the same time, I think it's important to, to look at that development factor with our players, you know, and that's where, you know, this year we're going to get more opportunity and time to practice with not having games during the week. So it's taking advantage of that time to really, you know, work on the players' games, get these players, you know, improve on some of their deficiencies and ensure that, again, with our older players, you know, they continue to get better and work on their games, but our younger players, you know, we're getting them caught up to speed with what the Oil King system is and, and getting them introduced to the Western League and getting them comfortable in, in games. And, you know, these are guys that are going to be a big part of our organization moving forward. So we want to, we want to get them up and, uh, and comfortable as quickly as we can. We touched on the uh, draft eligible players on the team. There are a couple of uh, significant ones. Dylan Gunther obviously being touted as a, a top 10, maybe even a top five a prospect for the 2021 NHL draft. And then there's goaltender Sebastian Kosa as well, who I'm a big fan of. I think he can be a first-round pick uh, this summer. But scouts won't be in the building, or at least not to start with, and there won't be fans. So uh, it's going to be – it will be tough for a lot of people and the general hockey fan to get a, a good sense of these players. So from your perspective, can you tell us a little bit about uh, both Dylan Gunther and Sebastian Kosa? Yeah, well, Dylan's, you know, he's he's already a professional the way he operates, you know, around the rink when he's on the ice, he's off the ice with all the little extra things he does. He's, he's uh, you know, he's at that next level when you're talking about players in, in the Western Hockey League. You know, he's, um, 
again, his game has just gotten better and better. And, and you know, that's for a guy that was picked first overall in the Western League. You know, he's just so hungry to get better, and he's proven that over his, his short career so far in the Western League that he's just – every summer he's just come back to camp and has taken that next step, which we've already seen this year. So uh, he's an exciting guy obviously the, with the plays that he creates out there, obviously him and Jake have a lot of chemistry from, from when they played together last season, but his shot is a, one of his strongest assets. He gets the puck away so quick and his releases is, is so fast and just fools goaltenders. Um, and yeah, his playmaking ability is off the charts too. His hockey IQ is Brad's man. Me and I had a lot of conversations with it is off the charts. So um, yeah, a guy we definitely see getting drafted in those first 10 picks this year um, in the draft. And then, in regards to Sebastian Cosa, you know, he's a he's a big goalie, that new age, you know, he's 6'6", six, six, that new age big goalie that uh, I know a lot of NHL teams like. He moves really well for his size, too. Um, he's really committed to, you know, his offseason training this year, and he's come back, and he's in great shape right now. Um, and, you know, one of the biggest things about him, even going back to Bantam, is it's just the bigger the game gets, um, the better his game gets at the end of the day. And, you know, his teams have predominantly in minor hockey going on long playoff runs. And, you know, last year when he was put into the big stage and big games for us, he delivered. So he's a guy that uh, I think, you know, NHL teams are going to have a lot of interest in. Well, and this organization has done well with getting goaltenders uh, onto the next level and into the NHL. Lauren Brossois comes to mind, obviously Tristan Jari now with the Pittsburgh Penguins and uh, Sebastian Cosa at that same age when they were juniors, uh, he is right there with uh, with those guys as well. So uh, I'm a big fan of Kosa's. Last uh, individual player I wanted to ask you about is a uh, newcomer, Kate Oliver. Comes in, he's going to fill that overage spot uh, up front that uh, Riley Sawcheck had last year. Uh, what are your expectations for him and how he fits into that mix? Do you just slot him right there and, and move forward between Gunther and uh, Jake Neighbors? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I mean, the coaching staff might play around with the lines a little bit. Who We'll see where things go, but I think, you know, watching practice this week, it's where he started with those two guys. So we'll see uh, we'll see what kind of chemistry he brings with them. And at the end of the day, if that chemistry is there, I think it's, you know, I saw Chuck did a fantastic job and had a great year in that role last year. So I think if Cade, uh, if Cade fits there and that chemistry is there, I think that would be a, a great fit for him. But he's, uh, you know, he, he plays a real hard game, a heavy game, and, had has had a lot of success through his career when he was playing in Victoria. And, uh, you know, I think I personally think he complements both those players really well and will be a good fit on that line. Your blue line group is going to look uh, a lot different this year. You, I think you have four returning players that we all know, uh, but there's uh, a bunch of guys coming to camp and that you'll see wearing Oil King sweaters this year that we don't know a whole lot about. So can you tell me about some of those guys and, and uh, what you expect from them this year and maybe your blue line overall? Yeah, yeah, there is. And, you know, Billy's had a little bit of experience in the league coming from uh, having played in Swift Current. And, you know, he's a guy that Jamie Porter was familiar with. And we wanted to, to bring in here and have a look at camp. Uh, yeah, Ethan Peters was a guy we listed a couple of years ago and then has recently signed. And um, another, another right shot, D, who's looked good in camp. Um, yeah, Matt Smith, as you said, he played some exhibition games last year and a left shot out of uh, Fort Saskatchewan here. And, um, Ross Stanley was a former second round pick for us has looked good in camp here early on. He's been playing with NAX here in Edmonton, uh, before they got shut down and Blake Heward as another player. We actually listed, um, a couple of years ago as well. And he had spent uh, time this year playing for the Regina Pack Canadians and the midget league and same league that Peter plays in, in Saskatchewan. So, you know, with the camp this year, it was, 
an opportunity where we were going to have some changeover on D and we wanted to bring in a lot of bodies to get a good look at, uh, you know, how these guys are. And, um, yeah, they had the opportunity to showcase themselves through camp. And then we make uh, some decisions with, uh, you know, where we want to go in the, in the defensive direction there. Kurt, I know that uh, the Oil Kings are going to be playing out of the downtown community arena, the uh, Oilers and the Oil Kings use Rogers place normally, but um, in these COVID times to keep things separate, I imagine that's the reason why you're you're moving next door to what is normally the the practice facility. Yeah, well, with with NHL protocols, it uh, you know their protocols are pretty pretty uh, lengthy, so it uh, would, wasn't going to be possible for us to play at a Rogers Place. But uh, yeah, it's a perfect setup, honestly, with no fans to play in the downtown community rink. We have dressing room access right, you know, right to that uh, right down the hall from there. So uh, you know the the work staff here at OEG have done a tremendous job to get this rink up and uh, up to WHL standards to make sure that uh, we have everything we need from a webcast capability and the list goes on. And uh, so we're confident it's going to be a great product in there. And, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think we're all just <laughs> really excited to be, to be back in the position to play some hockey again. Well, that's not your normal everyday uh, playing rink. And I know the Hitmen aren't playing at the Saddle Dome either. This year, without any fans or anything like that, and just a change in venue all over the place, is there such thing as home ice advantage anymore? Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I guess I guess you always feel like you're at home, especially because our team's practicing in that rink every day. So I think there's always a bit of a home ice advantage. But uh, you know, I've heard a lot of the NHL interviews, and you know, there's been talked to some guys that I know that play in the league and that. But it's it's going to be a lot about creating your own energy, and I think that has to come within your team on the bench and you know your leadership group and you know, it's important. That's, that's how your energy is going to be created. It's, you don't get that big hit when there's a big hit. It's not the noise of the crowd or, you know, you want to hear the noise of your bench and you're going to have to create a lot of that on your own this season, which, uh, you know, we got a pretty lively group and I think they'll, uh, they'll be able to be just fine in that department. Well, Kurt, I really appreciate your time. I'm uh, absolutely uh, excited and looking forward to the start of uh, this season, even though it's only 24 games, it's just going to be great. And to see uh, the WHL back on the ice. I appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always always a pleasure. The Oil Kings begin the season on February 26th. They are, I think they're at home, actually. I wasn't sure if, uh, off the top of my head if they're at home or on the road, but they're playing Lathbridge, and then it's uh, home and home each weekend, so they'll be at the other uh, team's place on Saturday. Uh, I won't be there myself. I'm not actually not even sure if it's open to the public or or, or even media. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I, I'm guessing the media can probably go. Uh, I won't be because of complications in my household. And uh, some changes with the broadcast this year from an Oil Kings perspective as well. No longer on TSN 1260. I believe this season they are just going to be doing the games through the team's website. So at oilkings.ca. Unfortunately, my uh, good friend and uh, longtime partner on the air, I did color for Corey Graham for a number of years, but um, no longer he was part of the cuts at uh, by Bell Media across the country recently, so no longer at TSN 1260, which really sucks, and also not going to be part of the broadcast anymore for the Oil Kings at this point, at least. So really unfortunate there. I, I, f- I really feel for Corey because I know how important that gig was to him and how passionate he was about uh, the WHL and about the Oil Kings. Uh, so tough news. Uh, you will get to hear the Oil King broadcast again through their website. I believe that's the plan, at least. Uh, Andrew Peart will be handling the play-by-play duties once again. I worked a couple of years with Andrew in the booth. So next Friday, a week from today, the Oil Kings and the Lethbridge Hurricanes. 
All right, one more segment to go on this week's episode of the Pipeline Show, and it's a it's a 2021 draft spotlight. It's also uh, an inside the AJHL segment, as well as the uh, NCAA Campus Report segment. As my next guest is in the AJ right now, he's draft eligible, and he's going to Wisconsin next year. That's Corson Kuhlman's. Get to know him next. Passion. Talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Colton Pareko. And Patrick Sharp were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. We are back on The Pipeline Show. We uh, just heard from a couple of general managers in the Western Hockey League. Uh, this segment, we're going to flip the switch, turn on the 2021 draft spotlight, and uh, my next guest is uh, a guy you're going to need to know. If you're a casual uh, junior hockey fan, your favorite NHL team is going to be busy on draft day, of course, and uh, one of the players they're going to have their eyes on is my next guest, Corson Kuhlmans from the uh, Brooks Bandits. Uh, Corson, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Uh, pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. Uh, normally, I, w- I would get to ask you about how the team is playing and how you're playing and how you feel about this year, but there's barely been a year in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. So what's been going on for you lately? Um, You know, just doing my best to to kind of keep in shape and keep up with everything that's going on. Just, uh, you know, we haven't really had a specific date on when we were going back. So uh, our team's been running some Zoom workouts and I've been hitting the gym at my friend's house and trying to get on the ODR and ice as much as possible just to, you know, keep my game sharp. Uh, The good old ODR. Uh, This week uh, or the last uh, two weeks, it's been awfully cold in uh, Alberta and throughout a lot of North America. I can't imagine you're spending a whole lot of time on the outdoor rink when it's uh, minus 30. Yeah, not the past two weeks, but uh, luckily they opened up the rink, so I've been able to get on there. Uh, now, the AJHL season did start and then uh, has stopped uh, before Christmas. You only got into a couple of games. Hey, five points in those two games, but uh, what are you hearing about the uh, the AJHL? And, you know, are you expecting to finish off the season at some point? Uh, yeah, I've just been hearing that. Hopefully uh, things are getting back to normal soon. I think the the league's starting to come up with a pretty good return to play land return to play plans similar to the western league so uh hopefully that gets approved and hopefully hopefully we get going soon yeah you'd have to think with the whl finding a way to come back that uh, the teams in uh, in the ajhl shouldn't be all that far behind as well and that'll be good obviously uh th- this has got to be a, a really tough situation for you it's your nhl draft year and uh haven't been able to to showcase your your abilities here in the last darn near 11 months uh how's that been for you from a mental perspective how do you you know stay engaged and motivated uh for me it's just you know keeping keep my eyes on like the bigger picture and just uh you know using the time off to get myself ready for when we do come back you know so i can be uh you know be as dominant as i can out there and and showcase myself as much as i can when uh when we get going again of course Gulamans is my guest he's a defenseman with the uh, Brooks Bandits in the uh, Alberta Junior Hockey League. Um, of course, and, uh, what we like to do in this part of the show is introduce my audience to somebody in your position that's uh, draft eligible. 
Uh, so let's uh, get a bit of background. Uh, there'll be a, people, you know, on the East Coast that have never heard of you. They don't watch the AJHL, but they they need to know about you for the NHL draft. So let's get uh, let's get some background. Where are you from originally? Uh, I was born in Regina, Saskatchewan. And when did you uh, relocate from there? Uh, when I was about three years old, we moved to Ontario. Uh, stayed there for a year, and then uh, we ended up in Beaumont after that. All right. So you've been uh, all over in, in your early days, but uh, in Beaumont, which is just outside Edmonton, for people who don't know, uh, you've been there for the bulk of your life. Yeah, for uh, probably 13, 14 years, I think. Right. Uh, who got you into hockey at an early age? Uh, my dad. Uh, yeah, he played uh, junior hockey in Manitoba and then uh, played some Division three down the States. And uh, he's always been into hockey and so he just kind of got me into it at a young age. So it's kind of just keep getting passed down from, you know, him to my uncle and now to me. Uh, now, he was a forward, if I remember correctly. You're a defenseman. Uh, were you always a defenseman or did you, did you try skating up front for a while, too? Oh, yeah, I tried it all. I tried goalie back in the day, too. But, really? Uh, yeah, I wasn't very good at that. I think I let <laughs> eight goals in one game. But, uh, yeah, after that, I just figured I should be a defenseman. Wasn't too much use for me up front or in net, so I just figured I'd try and keep him out of the net without actually playing goal. Well, you're an offensive-minded defenseman, though. You're putting up a lot of points, so you're saying that forward it didn't feel right for you, but on the back end, it's you're more comfortable. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I think with defensemen, I get to kind of quarterback it more, kind of you know move around and you know see see the play more as opposed to a forward. You're kind of relying on your defenseman, so I kind of like the the whole D where I get to, you know, make the, to- make the choices and, you know, put pucks into good areas. I, I know last year it, with the Bandits, uh, yeah, you had 35 points, but most of them were assists. So is that what you're lead- alluding to there is controlling the puck on the power play and, and setting up the plays, not necessarily being the trigger guy? Yeah, I like to, I like to set up my teammates and help, you know, create opportunities for them to put them in good positions to score and just uh, being able to, like, make good plays make good passes out of the zone and, you know, create space so that, you know, other guys can have an opportunity to put the puck in the net. After your 18-year-old uh, season, or back in 2018, rather, after your Bantam year, uh, you were drafted by the Moose Jaw Warriors. I don't know if that, at that point you had already known which direction you were going. Wisconsin is the school that you've, you've picked. But at the Bantam draft, did, did teams already know that? Yeah, about, uh, about a month before the Bantam draft, I committed to Wisconsin so I kind of told all the teams that uh, if they drafted me I wasn't going to report to camp or I you know I wasn't really considering going to the Western League um you know just the the whole college appealed to me more than playing in the junior in Canada or uh, in the WHL I assume that was the case since uh, I hard to believe that you would have fallen to the fifth round if if uh, that hadn't already been um, made known to those uh, the teams in the WHL. Uh, let's go there though. First, uh, the Bantam draft wasn't of big interest to you then because you already knew that you weren't going to play in the WHL. I, I talked to a lot of players on this show, and you know a lot of them stay home from school to see where they're going to get selected and things. But for you, I imagine it was a little little different. Yeah, we were we were up in Philadelphia for the for a tournament up there, and uh, I just wasn't too worried about it. I knew. Knew where I was going to go. I was going to go to college. So the whole Bantam draft thing wasn't a big deal to me, but I was with all my buddies there and they were getting drafted. So I was just really happy for them. And yeah, it was a cool experience just to, you know, see all their names come up. Uh, all right. I'm going to ask you why Wisconsin, but before that, 
Why go the college route? Why was that more intriguing to you? Well, for my family and I, uh, my my parents are pretty pretty good on school, so uh, that was obviously a factor. Just being able to get your ed- education while uh, you play hockey, and then um, you know Wisconsin's a great program. Uh, Tony and Oz and Stroh's behind the bench. You know they're great for you know skill development. You know getting players to the next level. Tony played in NHL, so he knows what all that's about, and you know, it's just a great campus there too, you know, just a great place. And I went down and visited there and I just kind of fell in love with it, with all the, with the uh, lakes and the whole city life there. Well, and Marco Siki on the bench helping the defenseman, man, he's been with that program for a long time and it's been a defenseman factory uh, over the last couple of decades as well. So not a surprise that that was the, the, the program that you would settle on. Uh, when do you actually get to go down? The sheet I'm looking at says next year, but with the pandemic going on, I don't know if things have changed, but is that still your plan? Yep, that's the plan for next season. All right, so what sort of things are you still work, trying to work on this year, despite not having any time on the ice uh, in, in game action? But before you get to college, I imagine there are things in your game that you are still trying to focus in on. Yeah, just getting bigger, stronger, faster for sure. And then, um, you know, in the defensive zone for me, I think just being able to be in the right position and stay on the defensive side of guys so that I don't get beat to the net and, you know, I'm able to, you know, break up plays before they get an opportunity on that. I think that's going to be key for me to work on uh, getting to the next le- next next level. I know another AJHL, a pretty high-profile guy, is in uh, in Wisconsin now for uh, the last, uh, well, this is his second season, but Dylan Holloway, do you have a chance to, to chat with him about his experience? And I wonder if that was part of the recruiting process for you was uh, the uh, – that, that he's been there and what he was able to tell you? Uh, yeah, I actually talked to him uh, a bit after I recruit, recruited or committed there. Um, uh, he took me on my official visit, which was pretty cool. He kind of told me uh, just what to expect and, you know, kind of got me ready for what I'm going to expect. And, you know, he's having a great year this year, so hopefully I can follow that. Uh, for those who haven't had a chance to watch you play, can you give us a, a bit of a, a self-scouting report? Uh, I mentioned the, the offensive numbers last year with the, the 35 points in 44 games, but I don't know if that gives a complete picture of, of what uh, Corson Kuhlman's is all about. So how would you describe yourself as a player? Uh, I think I'm a big, uh, strong two-way defenseman. Uh, I can create offense, but uh, I'm also able to play against the team's top line and break up plays and uh, kind of all around on the power play, penalty kill, uh, whatever's needed, um, I think I can do. Now the sheet I'm looking at says six two and 196 pounds, but with uh, you know I don't know how long it's been since that's been updated. So what are you at right now? Uh, I think I'm still six two, but uh, with all the training and stuff I've been doing over the break here, I'm probably maybe a little bit heavier, maybe around 200 now. Okay, so not significantly heavier. You're comfortable at that weight, you're able to play and and be comfortable. As you mentioned, as you get older, just more natural strength will come into play as well, but. Is there a risk in being too bulky if you just spent too much time in the gym in the offseason? Uh, yeah, there's probably that risk, but I think, you know, I got a good trainer who keeps me good shape, good weight. So I think this is a, this is a good weight for me to be playing at, be able to be mobile and strong at the same time. Of uh, course, and uh, how, uh, how much do you spend uh, thinking about the draft and, and what could happen? Uh, I know I talked to, again, as I, I mentioned, I talked to a lot of players on this show and it seems to be one of two camps, uh, guys who, don't think about it at all because they don't want a distraction. And then there are others who say they think about it a lot and they use it as motivation. 
What about for you? Uh, yeah, I try not to think about it too much. Um, you know, you don't want to be a distraction. You just want to be able to focus on your game. And it's hard It's hard to ignore it. There's always things going on. But you just got to keep focusing on, you know, getting better and setting yourself up for strongly for the draft. But especially now when there's no games happening yet, hopefully that, that changes soon. But when the various rankings come out and people are talking about you as a, a potential or probable first-round pick, how do you avoid that? How do you, you know... You can't not hear about those things. Yeah, it's tough not to not to hear about it, but just you know, because we're not playing right now, it's tough to read too much into it. You know, you don't want to think about it too much and get too high on it because having playing. So, I think just once hockey gets back to normal and you know everybody gets to see like how everybody's actually playing and how things are going, I think uh, you know maybe I'll start worrying about it then. But I think for now, I think I got a good headspace on where I'm at. Have NHL teams or scouts been in contact? I don't know if they're allowed to contact players throughout the season or not, but uh, this year is so different uh, uh, that it might be that that might be the case. Uh, have you had contact with teams? Yep, I've talked to quite a few teams. Uh, a lot of Zoom calls and questionnaires coming in. Right. Well, listen, Corson, I really appreciate your time. Actually, I wanted to ask you one more. How? How? What's the worst way you've heard your name being butchered? Oh, I think in one tournament it was like I said my first name wrong too. It was like Corson. Or like Corsine or something like that, and then he was like Suleiman's or something. I don't know, some weird. I imagine you get Carson a lot. I get I get Carson a lot too, but for my last my last name gets butchered pretty often. Is it two syllable or three? Is it Coolman's or Coolman's? Just Coolman's is fine. Just Coolman man's. That's how I tell people it is. Coolman's. Okay, perfect. Well, that's good. I appreciate your time today. I uh, wish you the best of luck. Hopefully the HA gets back going here as sooner as opposed to later and you can get back on the ice. Uh, thanks for making the time. Yep, thank you very much for having me. Corson Coolmans from the Brooks Bandits. And uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, just as I was putting this show together here on late Friday afternoon, uh, breaking news, the AJHL is confirmed to be returning in March. A little mini camp to start things off in March. Teams and players and everybody are quarantining as we speak. And then they'll get back to playing actual games only on the weekends and right and through up until uh, the end of May. So great to have the HHL back and uh, a great opportunity for a guy like Corson Kuhlmans to uh, show what he can do for the NHL scouts. Corson was my final guest for this week's show, so that means it's a cleanup time. That makes me think of my Hello Tushy 3.0 modern bidet. Honestly, I, I mentioned it last week on the show, everybody. Uh, whether you're a guy or a girl, you're going to love a bidet. If you haven't tried one yet, I recommend you give it a shot. And uh, fellas, you may have missed Valentine's Day, but nothing says love quite like a bidet. It's stylish, it's eco-friendly, it's easy to install, and it's affordable. The Hello Tushy 3.0, it doesn't just uh, clean your butt, it cleans itself. It's got this dial on it, and, and you turn it to the right, and it cleans you, and then you uh, turn it to the left, and it cleans itself. It's awesome. And I think the best part, or one of the best parts of it, is uh, how much it cuts down uh, toilet paper usage. It's like 80%. Uh, and just saying that, the Hello Tushy bidet pays for itself in just a few months. Check it out. I put it up on my website uh, on the sponsor and partner page. Uh, you'll see the banner for Tushy, and if you just uh, click on that, it'll open right to uh, the website. But if you just want to, uh, if you just want to know the URL, it's hellotushy.com/pipeline, and that way, on their end, 
they'll know that you went there because I told you to. So hellotushy.com slash pipeline. Last time I looked, it was on sale. So no better time than the present. It was like 120 bucks American, I believe. So check it out. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Next week on the program, hoping to uh, line up the uh, other two GMs from the Alberta WHL clubs that I haven't had on this in the last couple of weeks. We had Willie Desjardins from Medicine Hat on last week. The Oil Kings and the Hitmen this week. So next week, looking to get Peter Anholt from the Lethbridge Hurricanes, as well as uh, Brent Sutter from the Red Deer Rebels. And then the season starts on the Friday. Of course, I want to get another 2021 draft spotlight in there. Might look at, uh, I have to get somebody from uh, south of the border, whether it's the USHL or the NCAA. Things keep rolling in the queue. So there is definitely lots to talk about, and I want to touch on all of it uh, this time next week with you. Please leave a comment or a and or a rating wherever you get your copy of the Pipeline Show from. Help help attract other listeners and new listeners to the program. That would be fantastic. I really appreciate that. And if you haven't considered it yet, a lot of people have been signing up at patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show. You can get early access. You also get advance notice of who the guests are coming up and uh, a way for you to submit questions for those guests. That's at the Patreon page, so you might want to consider that too. But that is it. That is all. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. I will talk to you again next week. Until then, I'm Key Flaming. See ya.